Coming up this week on Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, Tesla calls their lawyers to defend themselves against a supplier who couldn't deliver the Model X's Falcon wing doors, a new Consumer Reports survey names the most satisfying commuter cars, and I'll bet you can guess which car is number one, and much more. Hey now! What's happening, folks? I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Welcome to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast. This is a little mini milestone for me. It's episode 25. I know that doesn't really mean anything. I guess 26 would be half a year, but 25 is a nice number. It feels good to get to 25. Went by quick. It still (laughs) feels like I just started doing this a month ago, but this is great. There were 25 episodes in. Uh, I hope you're having an excellent day as you sit down to listen to the show. I thank you for listening to the show. One weird side note before we get started today. I would like to make a request to all media outlets, all of them, from the biggest ones to the littlest ones. Would all of you please stop using photos of the Model S prototype in your Tesla articles? The car is very different. The production car is very different. That prototype's from like 2009, but it never fails. I see that image and it's not even the same image. It's actually, there are several different ones that I see. But prototype images still accompany Tesla articles almost weekly, including this week I saw one on a Fortune magazine site. Fortune's a big outlet. They, they, they can get a newer picture. There are hundreds of readily available photos of the actual Model S production vehicle, including an easily accessible press kit on Tesla's website. So there's your public service announcement. My plea to any media outlets who may be listening. Uh, so let's see what's happening this week. There's there are a couple of very uh, we've got a, a more diverse set of news stories I'd say this week than than uh, than I've ever had. Uh, we'll get to those real quick. Want to note that other than I'm also uh, surprised just personally living and working in San Francisco, I still have yet to see a founder. Uh, rather, I still have yet to see a Model X on the road other than the Founder Series car that I bumped into, not fortunately, not literally, while walking my dog, I'm surprised I haven't seen any out in the wild yet. I've, even my, my mom, in, who, who lives in the Phoenix area, she sends me a picture, she texts me a, a picture on her phone of uh, a white Signature Series Model X just parked in Scottsdale. And it wasn't at Tesla either. It was out and about. It was just, it was parked charging somewhere. So uh, they are, but it's good to see, you know, hundreds more per week. They're getting out there. This is great, uh, and it's from from reading uh, what everybody's got going on on Tesla Motors Club, the, particularly the folks with production list reservations. It sounds like the all the signatures might be finished, getting delivered pretty soon, and, and looks like we might be moving on to the production list shortly, which is just fantastic news. I want to start this week with a call, a cup, two calls up first. Then actually, I'm going to take some more calls at the end of the show. I figured some people probably want to get right to the news or get to the news quickly. Uh, And we got actually five great phone calls to play this week. So I'm going to do a couple of them here up front, and then we'll do the rest at the end of the show. So I want to kick it off with Paul, who uh, called in about another potential use that he uh, actually was curious about for Summon. So, Paul, take it away. Hey, Ryan. This is Paul. I was just listening to your last episode where you were talking about... uh, summons being uh, added to all the Model S cars. I am an aspiring Tesla owner like yourself, um, holding out for a Model X, and something that nobody has mentioned as far as I've read, which is very important, using summon to get out of a parking space where somebody has parked so close to you that you can't get into your car. My garage has enough room where I can get in and out and my wife can get in and out of her car, no problem. But two or three weeks ago, I was at a local shopping area and came out of the business that I was in just in time to have what looked like a 16-year-old kid in a Suburban park so close to my car that he had trouble getting out of his car. 
And had I not caught him at that exact time and asked him, could he please move so I could get into my car, I would have been stuck because I'm a big guy. I, I need that door space to get into my car. I currently have a Ford Explorer, and I can't just huff it in the passenger side and over the center console and get in. So I'd like to know if there are anybody else out there who has run into that situation where they could not get into their vehicle because somebody parked so close to it in the mall parking lot that you couldn't get the doors open. Thanks very much. I really enjoy your podcast. Paul, thank you for calling in. Uh, You make a great point here. Now, some people would say, well, if you're in your Tesla, a car that you probably care about, that you'd want to park far away from other people. But you can't always do that. And even if you did do that, you can't control what other people are going to do, which is exactly what happened to you with this teenage driver in, of course, a giant suburban. Now, technically... I I believe uh, technically Summit is only supposed to be used on private property. So uh, there's that. But uh, it's funny. I had another note written here for Paul to to reply to on this. But then I listened to the next call that I got. I swear I did not set this up. This is an utter coincidence. So I'm going to now turn it over to... Model S owner Justin from nearby Emeryville, California, who had a unique Tesla moment recently. And by the way, Paul, good luck on your Tesla quest. I hope you get your Model X soon. Justin, go ahead. Paul, you're going to want to listen to this. Hey, Ryan. Uh, my name's Justin, a uh, longtime listener of Unlocked and uh, Ride the Lightning. I think you're doing a great job at both. Um, just want to leave a quick comment. I'm a Tesla owner. Uh, Definitely appreciate being a Tesla owner. It's a, a lot of fun. I hear a lot of uh, comments online and read a lot of the message boards. I don't think we all are fully appreciating everything with the Tesla sometimes. So just wanted to uh, thank you for helping to promote that. Um, had an experience today that I'd share with you that I just uh, loved. I walked out to a parking garage in the pouring rain. I'm in the Bay Area uh, in Emeryville, tight parking spots as there is in San Francisco. And uh, Walked up to my car and noticed the person next to me had parked so close, there was literally no way I was actually going to get in my car. Um, and all of a sudden realized that I could pull my car out by the key fob. So I took the key fob out of my pocket, held down the center button, lights flashed. Didn't really know exactly what I was doing, but then pressed the hood button and lo and behold, the car pulls out directly towards me and let go and stopped, got in my car and drove away. So just uh, I believe that it was an amazing thing to actually get to use in real life uh, and uh, something that actually happens more often than I think uh, I really recognize. But uh, just wanted to leave that comment. Uh, great job at the podcast and uh, keep it up. See so there you go. Paul, it can be done. Justin did it. Uh, I wonder if Justin got any strange looks from people while he was backing his car up without anyone in the car. But that is really cool to hear. I love hearing Tesla moments. I've said this on this podcast before, but the Tesla moments thread uh, in the Model S section of the Tesla Motors Club forum is one of my favorite threads. It's, it's now dozens, if not hundreds of pages long, but it's just full of people's fun little moments like this. And I love hearing this story. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for calling in. And again, I swear this is a complete coincidence. I, did, I could not have possibly set this up. Uh, but this, that's, that's great that, that uh, Paul was curious. And then Justin, moments later, uh, calls in and actually tells us about it. So thanks to you both. And if you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast please give me a call on the Ride the Lightning hotline anytime. It's a toll-free number. You can call or Skype. The number is 1-888-989-8752, which spells out T-S-L-A on the touchtone. If it helps you remember it a little easier, that's 1-888-989-8752. And as I remind you every week, uh, in thanks for donating the voicemail box to me, I want to thank Life on Record, and if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family 
telling them why they're special. These recordings can be podcasted or put onto some other form of keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Be right back and we'll get right to this week's news. On to the news for this week, and uh, a couple of stories that aren't necessarily, in fact, they're not at all good news this week, but, you know, and I, I, I want this podcast to be enthusiastic, to be a place where Tesla owners and enthusiasts can can come and sort of share in a communal form of, of that enthusiasm, but you have to be realistic as well, and not everything is, everything is not always going to be perfect. And without, you know, you do need the, the, uh, the bad things sometimes, or the, you know, you need to, you need the, the constructive criticism in order to balance out the enthusiasm because with one without the other can ring hollow. Now I'm talking more about the next story, but this first story is not a great one either. It's unfortunately Tesla is suing a German company, a supplier over Falcon Wing doors. Now, to clarify, this has nothing to do with the doors that are on the car, on any of the cars, because the company Tesla is suing wasn't actually able to follow through with their contract to make the doors. And that's what Tesla is suing about. Now, the company is uh, Herbiger Automotive Comfort Systems out of Germany, and Tesla is suing them so that, get this, they're suing them so that they don't have to pay them. Uh, yes, they have to actually spend money on lawyers so that they don't have to spend money paying Herbiger. Now, they are, Tesla is seeking reimbursal of lawyer costs, of, of uh, you know, attorney fees as well. Tesla is asking the court to state that, it, that Tesla did not breach any contracts and to pay damages and attorney fees, as I just mentioned. Now, this is a little quick summary from the Wall Street Journal. So here, it's between February of 2014 and May of 2015, so a little over a one-year period. Uh, Tesla says that, that this company, Herbiger, could not produce a prototype of the doors that passed Tesla's engineering standards. Uh, according to the lawsuit, prototypes from Herbiger leaked oil. Uh, they're, I'm assuming, referring to the, the oil from the struts that, are, that, are, that uh, you know, assist the doors uh, in their up and down motion. And uh, they leaked oil and sagged or produced excessive heat, causing them to stop working. That is not good. Uh, Herbiger could not be reached for comment. Now, this so this is one. This is Tesla's. What this one side of the story? To be fair, here's a comment from Tesla. "Quote: We were forced to file this lawsuit after Herbiger decided to ignore their contracts with us, and instead demanded a large sum of money to which they are not entitled. We will vigorously prosecute this case. Tesla incurred millions of dollars in damages." Uh, including but not limited to costs of retooling the entire vehicle in order to support a different engineering solution. This is straight out of the lawsuit. Uh, then, te and Tesla says they also had to pay a premium for the new supplier to rush out a door that did work. So, the doors that are on the car seem to be working great from everything I've seen so far. Uh, the sensors seem to be protecting the doors from obstructions overhead. Uh, or on the side, so that's very good news. In fact, I'm seeing posts from Model X owners on the Tesla Motors Club forum talking about how they were skeptical about the Falcon Wings but are now completely in love with them. And I don't want to say I told you so because that's not the kind of person I am, but but there is a sense of, I, 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 I tried, I, I've posted months ago, like I told you guys, you, as a DeLorean, former DeLorean owner for 12 years, that people were going to love them once they live with them. I lived with them for over 12 years, and I knew, I just knew people were going to love them because they're just, in addition to their elegance, they're just more practical. They're simply more practical. They're, nobody, nobody's done it. Nobody did it on a mass-produced vehicle between the time DeLorean went out of business and Tesla started production on the Model X. No one. There may have been some limited production, hand-built little, you know, specialty, one-off kind of very, very limited cars, but I'm talking mass-produced cars, which the DeLorean was for its time, nothing was, was Gullwing or Gullwing family, and that's just because of the costs and the engineering challenges that those afforded. DeLorean had a patented 
he had a patent on a, uh, an engineering solution, this thing called a torsion bar, which is what the 1981 solution was. It was a cryogenically twisted piece of metal that basically acted as sort of a, a big loaded spring of sorts that when you release, when you, you know, act, pulled the door handle, it would release the door. And then there was a gas strut, which the Model X also uses and the Mercedes SLS, which again, so that's the SLS and the AMG is the other most prominent example. But again, that was a limited production car. There were, those were like hand built in Germany at AMG for, you know, you, you, you don't see, you've never, you don't see SLSs around there. Anyway, um, so yeah, the DeLorean used a cryogenically piece, a twisted piece of metal called a torsion bar and then a gas strut to, to lift the door up the rest of the way. Tesla had its own solutions, and of course, all it's and it's all electronic. It's uh, you know you don't you don't manually close the door or open it. It's all electronic. It's all automatic, which is cool. Um, yeah, and but I'm just so happy to hear that people are realizing how actually cool and useful the Falcon wing doors are, uh, and, and heck, what, the DeLorean <laughs> didn't even have sensors in the doors to stop the doors from avoiding potential obstacles, and you had to open and close them manually, although, actually, I had a, I had a remote little unlock thing that would, that would actually open the doors uh, remotely, but anyway, um, so this explains, at least partly explains, some of the delay that the Model X faced. Uh, we were also told by Elon that the second row seats were causing trouble and that development of those seats was moved largely in-house to Tesla. So it's, it's kind of interesting to think about now in hindsight. I, could Model X have started delivering anyway, even if Herbinger had done the doors right the first time? Would the seats have held up the, the Model Xs anyway? I mean, it's, a lot of, it's, it's amazing how many engineering challenges went into the Model X and, you know, all of these comments give further context to Elon and Tesla's comments about the Model 3 needing to be simpler so that it can get out on time. I mean, I, I will say, I will confess, though, because I'm such a fan of gull wings and falcon wings, that there's a little part of me that just holds out hope. I know it's not going to happen, but holds out hope that because Tesla has now done the hard work on the Falcon wing doors, that the Model 3 might have, uh, you know, just one large Falcon wing on both sides to access front and rear passenger areas. I know it's not going to happen, but I, boy, especially now that I live and work in San Francisco, I just miss having a car that only needs 12 inches of horizontal clearance away from the car in order for the door to fully open anywhere. It's just, it's so great. Uh, and yeah, I'm glad that Model X owners are, are feeling good about their Falcon wing doors. Now for the next story that I started, I kind of alluded to earlier, Dave T, who puts together the fantastic uh, weekly Tesla newsletter, which you can subscribe to for free at teslaweekly.com, he included this story in his newsletter this week, and, and I read it uh, and it was it was disappointing to read. I have to say, it's uh, if you you should take a look at his story and his newsletter and check this out if you're curious. It's a blog written by a guy named Marty. Uh, I'm going to hopefully say his last name somewhat correctly. Is it? Uh, per, it's either Peronic or Puronic. Uh, he is he runs a cloud services hosting company. He's got a he's got a following. He's he's been in the tech industry for a long time, and he. And this is only one person's experience, but it's indicative of a larger concern for Tesla. So Marty tried to buy a CPO car, and Tesla couldn't get him the car. Could not get him the car. He tried, there, were, there was the holidays, and they told him, oh, you know, we got to ship all our new cars to make, make quarter, you know, our quarterly targets, and he, was, he seemed to be okay with that, so he was going to wait until it was pushed out to sort of early January. And they just, he, they, they went, Tesla went radio silent on him. He tried calling everyone from his sales advisor to calling Elon Musk's office, and he eventually learned that Elon Musk himself had just taken the car 
to test a new version of autopilot. That's what, that's what Marty was told. Now, Tesla never formally apologized. It sounded like, I mean, Marty, again, one side of the story. That's both of these stories this week. It's important to, to note that. But it's one side of the story. But according to Marty, Tesla never formally apologized. And in fact, according to him, they tried to upsell him on a $20,000 more expensive car. He ended up canceling his order and getting his money back. And he, to his credit, he seems to hold no ill will towards Tesla, but he's understandably very disappointed with that entire experience. And, and this, you know, this is, it's sad to read this. When you're, when you're excited about what Tesla is doing, which I am, and I think anybody that's listening to this podcast is, because Tesla, you know, again, is, uh, they're, they're, they're trying to do things different in a different way and in a better way. And, and, you know, Elon's goal is the, to hasten the widespread adoption of electric vehicles. He's not in it to drive up the share price as high as possible so he can cash out. He's not in it to, uh, just, you know, be the number one automaker in the world. That would be like a happy byproduct for him because it would mean more EVs, but he, you know, the, the, the goals of, of Elon and the company are noble ones that I think a lot of us have that, that we really appreciate and, and latch on to. So to, to hear things like this is very upset. It, it's, it's concerning because while it's entirely possible that this is the small handful of people that Marty dealt with were the problem and, and it's sort of an isolated thing. I mean, there are a number of posts. If you frequent the Tesla Motors Club forum, you know, there are many posts from owners that say they've had communication issues with Tesla. Now, of course, as with any, really anything, particularly the internet, people tend to post negative things, negative experiences. They tend to post when they're upset about something more often than they'll take the time to post something positive. Now, the Tesla, the Tesla Motors Club community is far, uh, they're much better about this than in my experience, the average video game community, which tends to be a lot more uh, just negative to boot. I, I really feel like, in general, TMC is a is a very uh, it's an enthusiastic community. Don't get me wrong, but it, they're 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 good about being you know level headed about things. But it's it's yeah, it's just so unfortunate to hear because you know as the more that these communication concerns mount. It's it's just it's an unfortunate growing pain for Tesla as they just grow and grow and grow. It's got to be fixed and soon. I mean, the company there there was an interview with Tesla uh, with Elon recently from the BBC that wasn't really anything newsworthy. So I'm not going to cover it on the show here, but he you know he did mention that their their goal is to produce twice as many cars this year as they did last year between S and X. And, you know, they've got China and others, so, you know, they're, they're growing. So they're going to go from 50,000 cars in 2015 to potentially 100,000 cars in 2016, this year. And then, you know, and then what if it's another 100,000 customers and new cars in 2017? And then Model 3, which, of course, won't, prob- almost certainly won't be Two three hundred thousand units produced and it's and sold in the first year. They're they're going to ramp up, you know. I would suspect the goal. I would suspect it's you know, depending on what point of the year the Model Three ends up actually starting to roll out. You know, let's say a couple founders cars if they hit their goal at the end of twenty seventeen, and then sort of similar to X really, where it's all end of year. You know, so let's say twenty eighteen, maybe they're going to be. 35 to 50,000 Model 3s that first year, and then they'll, they'll scale up to maybe 75 or 100 the following year and eventually you know, work their way up to full, their full production goal over a few years. But you know, as the, the, fact, the point being, Tesla is adding, they're just doubling their customer base year in and year out, and they're on a path to continue to do that. So they need to fix these communication problems because, you know, we, what, we, what we don't want is to see Tesla one day soon, or anytime for that matter, but we don't want to see their entire 
mission that's been working so well so far. I mean, again, the the Model S is such a a product that's against all odds because as Elon himself has noted, the the overwhelming probability was that Tesla would fail, but they have somehow made the best car in the world and not failed and they're succeeding. And it, so it would just be terrible if Tesla got gained a reputation as that's as that's as bad for cons, you know a a consumer reputation comparable to your traditional auto dealer, which of course you know most people oh I don't want to go to the dealership and people associate dealerships with negative experiences. It would be a shame for Tesla in with the the products that they've produced the incredible products that they've produced to get tagged uh, with that, with that uh, stigma, or that, that, that label, because, I mean, although you know, it would be justified if, it, if, they, if they can't rectify these communication issues. So, I mean, I don't know if, I'm sure smarter people than me are hopefully thinking about this, but you know, you'd think, I don't know, you, could do you hire a consumer advocate director you know, it, it, that's fairly up in the company and give that person a team? You know, a, a, I don't know how many people, but to make sure that these kind of communication issues with customers and potential customers are minimized. I mean, it seems like they, Tesla has done the hard part, which is make a, a, an unbelievably compelling product that everyone wants and they're production constrained, not demand constrained. So that's the hard part. The communication relative to that seems like it would be a much easier problem to tackle because you just need good people and you need those people empowered to do something about it. So hopefully Tesla, I mean, we know that they read TMC and I'm sure uh, they've been made aware of Marty's blog, whether it's through Dave T's weekly newsletter or some other means or people, you know, I'm sure that they do have their ear to the ground. We know that. So uh, let's hope that the Tesla can get their act together in the communications department because, you know, I've seen. I, I mentioned, uh, uh, or actually, I will mention later in the show a TMC poster named Mark Z. He has a an early VIN number Model X signature. I mean, he 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 was very good about it from his post, but you know, he has a VIN in the teens. And there were people, not, we know Tesla doesn't produce by VIN, they don't produce and deliver by VIN number, but, you know, he was very, very high on the list. He had a low VIN. And, you know, there were people with, with VIN numbers, hundreds of VINs higher than him in other states that, you know, he's in Orange County that were getting their Model Xs before him. And, you know, that's, and it turned out his car was sort of held up in, in the service center for some things. As, and, and he did not get great communication about that. So it's... I, I could, you know, if I try to put myself in those shoes, like if I've, if I'm lucky enough to get on the signature reservation list, should there be one for Model Three, uh, or let's just say if I, if I'm pretty high on the list that I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get my car, you know, I theoretically should be getting my car as one of the first, you know, couple thousand cars or something. It would be really frustrating for me if I had my order in, I was confirmed, uh, my maybe my my Tesla page showed that it's in production at the factory, and then if I just wasn't hearing anything, you know, you'd be so excited to get the car, and you know, trying to, as Marty noted in his blog, he had he had said that you know he was trying to coordinate the electrician coming to install his his plug and the trying to get coordinate that with you know getting rid of his old car to make room for the for his model s you know the, the, i'll find myself in the same situation I, you know i'll be trying to i've got my plug but i'll be trying to coordinate with i'll definitely need to figure out uh, when to get rid of my infinity which is the car i have now that i'll be getting rid of and i'll want to be coordinating with a, uh, another topic we're going to get to later in the show when we go back to the phones is uh, the, a detailer. You know, I'm going to, I have a, I have a whole plan for paint protection, uh, paint correction and paint protection film and optic coat and window tinting. You know, I want to, you know, do my model three upright when I get it. And that, you know, all that has to be coordinated because, you know, those people get booked up with, uh, the, you know, those people uh, have a lot of uh, clients that, that are bringing nice cars in, uh, other nice cars in to get, work, to get all that detail worked on. So, yeah, it's, I really hope that Tesla can get 
get their act together in the communication department. And it's not to say it's all bad. Plenty of, again, I'm sure the majority of people have perfectly good experiences. They order their Tesla. In two months, it's there. They hear updates from their delivery specialist along the way. Their delivery goes great. And then, you know, whenever the car needs to go in for service, it's all smooth and it's all fine. But there are enough, you know, instances out there where people have expressed a lack of communication from the company that, that I, I hope that they can get, get it up together quickly because it would just be a shame for, you know, Model 3 to get out there and be hopefully a great car. But, but if it's, you know, if the company can't keep up with, uh, they, can't, they can't scale their customer service to match the production of the cars, that's going to be a really, really big problem. So... That is that. Now, in better news, I'm going to close out with some good news here. A Consumer Reports survey names the Model S the number one most satisfying commuter car, with owners frequently citing autopilot, the comfort of the car itself, and the quietness of the car as common pluses for their Model S as their commuter car. Number two on the list, the Chevy Volt. Number three on the list, I'll bet now you can guess after what one and two were, number three on the list, the Nissan Leaf. So what's cool here, this tells us that people who live with electric cars, because that's, of course, the big challenge. That's what Tesla's been been working on and, and really uh, leading the charge on here in the industry for since they came into existence is that education, getting people educated on living with an EV and the benefits of it. Uh, so this tells us that people who do take that, they, people who do get educated and do make that leap in, and get an EV, people who are living with electric cars, of course, you know, the first 35, I know you're, you're saying, well, the Volt's not electric. Well, the first 35 or so miles of any Volt owner's day are electric. But it tells us that the people who live with electric cars are really, really happy with them. So hopefully, more automakers will get the message and and start making more electric vehicles. It'll be interesting to see how this list is in 2018 to see if Model 3 cracks it. I sure hope so, because I hope to have one, and I hope to, <laughs> if I get a survey, I hope to be able to fill out saying I love the car. So uh, that is some good news on the Tesla front this week. Consumer Reports, it was, and it's not Consumer Reports themselves. These are survey results from actual car owners, Tesla owners and Volt owners, Leaf owners, etc. Just they're car owners that are responding to this survey. So good stuff there for, from Consumer Reports. I'm going to be right back, take a couple of more calls. I've got uh, three more for you here, and then I'll wrap up right after this. All right, I'd like to go back to the Ride the Lightning hotline before I wrap the show up this week as Maggie the Boxer sighs and snoozes and snores behind me. You doing okay, Maggie? You all curled up on the couch? Uh, She looks really comfortable. Tim from Toronto asks about protective paint options for a car. So this is a good topic to discuss. Tim, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. It's Tim from Toronto. Uh, I just have a question. Last show, you mentioned um, something about different sorts of uh, uh, tints and protective films. And then there was one other thing. Uh, I'm just wondering if you could go over or if you had any insight about uh, what sort of um, protective options or, um, you know, the treatments uh, that you can give to a new car. Uh, Just out of curiosity. Uh, Yeah, that's it. Thanks a lot. Great show. Fantastic question here, Tim. I've spent a decent bit of time researching this. Uh, I'm not an expert on it, but I will be by the time I get my Tesla. Uh, Barring more technology advances in the protective paint options over the next two to three years, i.e. until I get my Model 3, I think I've decided what I'm going to do with mine, and I hope uh, maybe this can, can help you with yours. I would say definitely don't make any decisions based off of what I'm about to share. This is definitely a topic 
that requires personal research to make the best decisions for you. But from reading a lot of posts from Tesla owners on TMC, I think I know what I want to do with my Model 3. And first up, I want to get paint correction. Now, good, the good news is everything I'm about to say can be done by the same person. If you get, if you find, you know, a, a high-quality, professional, top-notch detailer, that can all be done by by that person and their team. So first, I want to get paint correction because I've read plenty of accounts from Tesla owners that uh, Tesla is apparently notorious for letting cars leave the factory with small minor paint flaws. And apparently uh, this is not unique to Tesla. I guess everybody does this, but uh, Tesla is also guilty. So paint correction to wet sand out flaws. A professional, I've seen plenty of photos that that really are good evidence of, of the kind of work, the kind of amazing work that a, a, a talented professional can do. So I want to get paint correction. Then I want to do a layer of OptiCoat Pro to preserve the finish and the shine. That is a, the OptiCoat Pro is a, it's a very thin layer of a clear sort of shield, for lack of a better term. Um, I don't even quite know the better way to describe it. It's, it's, it's not going to stop rock chips, put it that way, but it's going to just help. It's sort of almost a, I'm probably going to, somebody's going to call in and correct me on this probably, but I don't know if it's fair to say it's almost kind of a sealant for, the, you know, your, your paint underneath to an extent. You know, in the same way a paint paint sealer is for like for your deck. Uh, so I want to do that, and then I I would like to, if money permits, because I don't know how much it's going to cost for the for the whole car, particularly here in the pricey Bay Area. But my goal is to do a full paint protection film wrap of the entire car. I want to do the entire car. Not only for consistency, but for just sheer protection. Uh, not only, again, I live and work in San Francisco, which is tight quarters. There, are, you know, there's times where you just can't avoid parking close. And I've had my my G35. Actually, it's I was very, very mildly rear-ended uh, this week, the beginning of the week, and it it was the, the guy just. Parallel parked very poorly, and for, thank God I was standing right out. I was standing outside the car. I had just taken my daughter out of the car, and a guy's parallel parking behind me, and just like just crunches up into my rear bumper. He got he was fine, but his he has a front plate on the car, and we're going to talk about front plates in a second too. Uh, and he had the, like the four just big nuts holding on the screws pr- protruding out of the front license plate frame. And that, those two, the two screw, the two nuts went, drove into my rear bumper. Like, fortunately, the bumper, like, rebounded back. It didn't cave in. It didn't dent in. But just two huge paint chunks. So, thankfully, I caught the guy red-handed. And he was really nice about it. He totally was apologetic and felt very bad about it. And uh, I'm, I'm getting it, getting the car, getting the bumper repainted next week. But uh, now I'm not sure film back there would have would have helped this it might have because it was low speed it might have it would have definitely probably gone into the film it might have ripped the film but then at least just redo the film on that piece instead of having to repaint the thing which is you know not the ideal solution it's not the ideal situation is having to repaint so anyway uh furthermore on that topic I did on my, you know, when I got my, I, I have an Infiniti G35 Coupe, 2006, that I bought new. It's the currently the first and only new car I've ever bought. Uh, my car history, you know, I, I'm a very middle class guy. Uh, I hope to, of course, continue to make more money as time goes on and get better cars, but nicer cars. But uh, the, the G35 was the nicest car I'd ever bought, the first new car I'd ever bought, and I wanted to take good care of it because I also had my DeLorean, which I, you know, worshipped and took amazing care of. But, you know, so I did get, I got a clear bra for the for the G35, but this this was in 2006. 
So the film technology has come a long, long way since then. And here's my point. And some, sorry, this is super long-winded. I apologize. But I only did the clear bra. The, it's, it was th- uh, uh, Venture Film. I think it was 3M. Venture Film is what's on my G35. And it is actually coming up at a couple of little corners. But over, overall, it's actually holding up pretty well. The problem is... And it saved, it saved me from who knows how many rock chips. Like, if we were to peel that, that film off... The, the front fascia and lower third of the hood would be immaculate. So it's done its job there. My mistake, huge regret here, I didn't do the whole hood. I just did, you know, the, it's the front of the car and then the up to like, it's like the first lower third of the hood. And then there, so there, there's a line. The line doesn't bother me, honestly. It doesn't really, oh, pardon me, unless you're really looking for it, you can't really see it. But... Huge mistake not doing the whole hood. I've, I have so, so many rock chips up on the hood where it's not protected by film. I've had them all filled in with, you know, touch-up paint at the dealer, but it still looks bad. It doesn't, you know, it's unfortunate. If I had done the whole hood, I would have no rock chips. So I would say if you don't do the full wrap on your car, uh, assuming you're talking about either you have a Tesla Tim or you're maybe going to get a Model 3 like me, uh, and so many of my listeners are, are waiting for Model 3, but definitely I cannot recommend doing the full hood and obviously front of the car enough because, and I, and the car I've had, I've lived in the Bay Area the entire time I've had the car. It's not, you know, where I used to live in Arizona where there's rocks and big trucks hauling rocks all, all everywhere, all over the place, you know. The Bay Area is a very built-out place. It's not, you know, it's not a desert. It's, there's not just rocks everywhere, but it's just still, you know, f- whether it's the freeway or, you know, you, you'll, you'll get rocks flying up and you don't want them taking paint chips out of your car. So I cannot recommend doing at least the entire hood. I cannot recommend that enough. <clears throat> Pardon me. So, uh, and then you have to decide, well, which film are you going to do? A lot of Model S owners on TMC like Expel, which is X-P-E-L. That seems to be a popular, very good quality brand. And you get it, if you get it put on by a professional, it's going to look really, really nice. But again, I, I read a post by the aforementioned Mark Z about his signature Model X. And this, this guy, Mark Z, is... Uh, first of all, he makes great posts that are always very constructive and very full of useful information. And he he really researched the... You could tell he researched the heck out of his... He wanted to take good care of his signature red Model X, and he researched the heck out of it, and he, had a, he has a really good installer, that he, detailer that he trusts, and he did his research, and he made a post, and he mentioned that he chose SunTech... S-U-N-T-E-K, over Expel, because in his opinion, comparing them side by side, he thought that the finish under the film, the car's finish under the, the, or, you know, through the film, looked a little glossier and clearer than Expel. And I saw that, and it made me go, well, I think I might have to go that way. Now, I, I would certainly see for myself, but I, that is, would be my preference, too. He mentioned a more pixelated look with Expel, and I would, I would definitely favor the glossier, clearer, more paint-like reflection and finish. So uh, I'm definitely going to do more research on this. I advise anyone else to do the same, and I need to stay on top of this over the next couple years so that I'm et- more educated to make the right decision for me when my Model 3 arrives. So it's a huge topic. I'm sorry I just rambled on it for like 10 minutes. I do apologize, but... It is, you know, if you're listening to this you, and you either have a Tesla or you're planning to get one, you're clearly enthusiastic enough that you're going to want to protect your car. So I, I hope that segment was helpful. Uh, and that's definitely a topic we can continue to revisit as I learn more and we all learn more. If you have, and I welcome anybody to call in if they have experiences with Expel. I'd say the one, the one concern I have is how the film will age. 
because even the oldest Model S's are three years old right now. And if you, so the oldest Expel wraps, full wraps on a Model S out there are three years old. And I'm curious how they're, my, my one thing is how are they going to hold up because my Venture Film clear bra on my G35, it's not yellow at all, but the, it's definitely, it's got some scratches on it. I know the new ones are supposed to sort of self-heal, but it's got some sort of scratches and it's, it, the, you can definitely, if you're looking at the car from the side, particularly from the side and in, in, in the right light, you can see the sort of super mirror, you know, reflective hood, and there's a much duller reflection over the clear bra, the front, the lower, you know, hood front of the car, which, and I don't like that. So that's my, my one concern is how does this new film, but again, this, this, we're talking about film that's like eight to 10 years newer than what's on my car. So, um, I would love it if anybody wants to call in that's got their car wrapped, their Model S wrapped. Yeah, call in. To, try to keep it fairly short, like about a minute or so. But you know, ha, what's your experience been? How's it holding up? Would Would you do it again? You know, do you regret it? Do you Are you happy you did it? Anyway, yeah, give me a call if you're if you've got an experience to share there. Let me go to Brad in St. Louis, who's got a general cold weather question about the Tesla. Go ahead, Brad. Hey, Ryan. This is Brad uh, from St. Louis, um, aka Holy Shadows on Twitter. I was just curious, um, after all this cold weather that we've gotten in St. Louis, how exactly does the Tesla, I guess, warm the passenger? And on top of that, um, batteries generally do terrible in the cold weather. So I was curious if you knew how well they handle the cold. Um, Thanks a bunch, and uh, glad you're doing what you do. Keep up the good work. Brad, this is a perfectly good, valid question. Uh, There are... There are a number of threads on this. Uh, You could definitely do a lot more research on the Tesla Motors Club forum. But just in general, real quick, I would say to answer your questions about how the the Tesla does in cold weather. Now, I know people, some people might think, well, you're in San Francisco, you're in the Bay Area, you don't know cold. I don't. But again, from reading the forums extensively, I mean, I can definitely tell you, you've got seat heaters in Model S. There is a a sub-zero weather package that'll heat the steering wheel and the rear seats and the wipers. So you can get that as well. Uh, the other cool thing that a Tesla can do is you can preheat the car, preheat the interior via the Tesla app while you're still inside or you know in your house getting ready to go or if you've been out, you know, where, wherever you are. And But yes, you are correct that the cold weather uh, does have a big effect on the batteries and it does require extra consideration when planning your trip, but by all accounts, the cars plant incredibly well to the road compared to their ICE counterparts, especially if you opt for a dual motor Model S because the, the added weight balance plus the millisecond calculations that are going on uh, between the two motors and the four wheels to help you know just move power on an almost instantly from wheel to wheel where it's needed to help maintain grip on a, on a cold, icy road. It's, uh, from everything I've read from Model S owners, it is just astounding how well these cars do uh, traction-wise and drivability-wise in snow and in cold weather. So good stuff, Brad. Definitely encourage you to do a bit more uh, research if you, have, if you have sort of more detailed questions, but I hope that gives you a decent little overview. Finally this week, I want to go to Larry, who brings up a topic that I also am, uh, I'm big on this topic, and that's front license plates. Larry, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, this is Larry. Great show. I've been enjoying all your podcasts and going back and listening to all the episodes. Fantastic job. Uh, I like the way you cover it. Thank you. I have a question and would love to hear your thoughts. The front license plate. Uh, I live in California. We're required, I think all states now are required to have a front plate. I think all of Europe is required to have a front plate. Why not have Tesla lead the way and lobby California to come up with another system where you do not have to deface the front of your car? Um, I drive around without a front plate and I take the risk. I've gotten a couple 
tickets while parked with a plate. Um, those are $25 tickets. And I did get pulled over once recently by a motorcycle cop. That one was a hassle. I had to go to the police station. Um, they, well, I have mag, I do, I can mount the plate via magnets. Um, so I do put it on now while parked um, in certain public areas. I don't typically drive with it on, but I managed to pull up to the sheriff's station, put on the plate before I got there. Uh, he came out, signed off on it, paid $35, I think, for that, then had to wait online and pay the ticket $25. It took me a couple hours. It was a hassle. Um, so, yeah, front plate tickets are annoying, but ideally it won't be illegal to drive around a front plate. So why can't Tesla lead the way, start lobbying, whomever, and get this changed. You don't need them anymore. Um, just wanted to hear your thoughts, and how can we get this going? Thank you. That sound you hear, I'm sorry, is uh, Maggie the Boxer licking the couch. Don't know why she does that. Don't know. It must taste like, I don't even know, tastes like couch, but she seems to like it. Anyway, so I'm not sure if that's come picking up on the microphone. If not, you probably just think I'm nuts. But in any case... Uh, Larry, oh my goodness, I am 100% with you, my friend. I had a fix-it ticket for this once also in my G35. I got pulled over, so I had to do the same thing. I had to go show a police officer that I'd put the front plate on. Now, I, for me, I, I think om like almost any nice car, including both Tesla, well, all three Teslas, looks demonstrably worse with a front plate. Uh, just ruins the ruins. It does. It can do any anything from detract from the looks to just flat out ruin the front the the beauty of the front of a car. But yeah, I I ended up I ended up putting and keeping a front plate on my Infinity because by then it was like five six years old and I just kind of thought on this car it's not worth the hassle. But when I had my DeLorean, there was never even a consideration given for the front plate. I would never, ever put it on my DeLorean, just as I never would if I had a Tesla. Now with the DeLorean, somehow I never got pulled over in that car for any reason, which is shocking to me because there were, I know plenty of DeLorean owner friends who've been pulled over just because the cop was curious and wanted to look at the car. But um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, with the DeLorean, it's like the car's not, there's, oh, it just destroys it. Now, with, with the Tesla, in my humble opinion, the Model S definitely has its sleek looks detracted by a front plate. The Model X, uh, with that very bold, you know, no air intake, that just all painted, beautiful front, front nose cone, no, or I should say lack of nose cone, just, I haven't seen a Model X with a front plate on it, but I, when I see it in my head, it's like awful. And I, and of course, it's there will be. I'm sure there already are people putting front plates on Model X because their state requires it, and they don't want to go through the hassle of getting pulled over. But uh, it, the thing is, it's obviously it's a state by state thing. But then it's within that, like, I mean, speaking for California, it's also a sort of area by area thing. Uh, I never had a problem, as I said, with my DeLorean and I lived down on the peninsula. And uh, then, but, but, but a, a DeLorean or a friend of mine who lives up near Sacramento in a town called Carmichael, he said he actually does keep a front plate on his DeLorean and all his other cars. Because he says that the police are huge sticklers up there. That they are, they, are, they are very strict about enforcing that in his area. So, I mean, you got to sort of weigh the pros and cons. Uh, and, you know, what are you going to do? I, uh, now, my, my boss, well, my boss's boss, that, that, uh, the head of our company that, that got a Model S this, this past year, who's, his is the one I drove with autopilot to, to do the autopilot video for IGN pair, lovey pair. He got, uh, he lives in, in the, the North Bay in the Bay area. And he says same thing in his area that the police are very 
on it there for their they they will if they will pull you over and they will ticket you so he had the front plates on but he i know he didn't like he said he, he didn't like the look of it then he got in a little fender bender and fortunately the damage was restricted was limited completely to the front fascia so his nose cone you know the, the whole front fascia area of the car so he got that replaced uh and decided to because I, I kept giving him crap like dude just run afoul of the law it's a beautiful don't don't ruin the looks of that beautiful car just you gotta just, just forget it just just do it man just go without the front plate and he did he when he got his new fascia he did not put the front plate back on the car he had his toll transponder mounted by the body shop that did his new fascia he had the the transponder mounted like behind the nose cone and he is he is rolling because he he got one of he what's cool he not only did he do a vanity plate but he got one of the the limited run that he got one of the the throwback 1960s california plates you may have seen if you're a california listener the they're they're replicas basically of the 1960s california plate which is it's just solid black like a glossy black with just gold california lettering in a in a simple like block font on top and it's kind of cool looking especially because he has a uh He's got the the new gray Model S. The uh, the the name of it escapes me. The not the not the I guess is it metallic silver that they no I, I can't remember. Anyway, he's got the the new gray, not the original dolphin gray. So yeah, that that black California plate looks cool on his car. But anyway, uh, to get to your question, Larry, of what do we do about this? So you're right. I mean, Tesla has definitely been, they tried to push their, they have and are presumably still trying behind the scenes to push, to change the rear view mirror regulations. You know, they because Tesla on the original Model X prototype had cameras, little cameras to increase the efficiency by, uh, they said, I believe they said it was a 5% efficiency gain by not having side view mirrors. Sorry, I think I said rear view earlier, side view mirrors. And you know, I, I doubt they're involved in the license in in trying to change any license plate laws because that's probably just, you know, th- that's because it's because it is so state by state and case by case that I, I doubt they're sort of making any plans to do that. But I agree, we as the the people of California and other states should 100% see if we can get rid of the front plate regulation. The, the, the so I I say. Let's solve, let's, let's kill two birds with one stone here. We can get rid of the front plates and we can get rid of the uh, HOV access clear, clean air vehicle white stickers that you got to put on your Model S in like six different places for the carpool lane to get carpool lane access. We can get rid of both of those things in one fell swoop. Let's just... For California and hopefully everywhere else, let's uh, let's do. We got to do like Arizona does. This is worth one. Arizona does this right. They had because my again, my family is in Arizona. My cousin Pat with his, you know, he he's this is his car. There is an alternative fuel license plate that they do in Arizona that that you could get. You know, you could get a vanity thing on there if you want, but it's a it's a you know it's an effectively an EV plate. And that grants you access to the carpool lane. That's what the police would look for in the, in the HOV lane there. And they just don't require a front license plate. So that's what we need to do, California. Because, I mean, heck, I just mentioned the, the 1960s throwback special edition license plate. California's got like 17 specialized plates already. What's one more? What's one more? Is is uh, it's no problem. That's that's what I wish California would do on this, and everywhere else for that matter that requires front plates. Uh, so anyway, that's my soapbox on that. And I remind you one more time: if you've got a question, comment, discussion topic, etc., for the podcast, dial me up on the leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. You can do that anytime, day or night. It is a toll-free number. You can call or Skype. The number is 1-888-989-8752. 
Whew, that wraps up. I think, boy, I think when I edit this together, this is going to end up being uh, one of the longer episodes, which is cool. I love it when I have lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, I hope, hope, I hope people don't mind the longer episodes. I, I generally try to, I kind of figure 20 to 30 minutes is a sweet spot. I want to be respectful of people's time. But then again, I know there's some people that just love the super long podcast to, for their commute, or I don't know. I, but then again, I don't know if people want to listen to just me for this long. Anyway... I'm only making the show longer. So follow me on Twitter if you don't already. You can do that at DMC Ryan. That's my handle. You can always email me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. If you're a video game fan, check me out at my day job at IGN.com. I've got a lot of interesting things I'm always working on over there, whether it's previews, reviews, features, uh, interviews with game developers, uh, my other, my Xbox podcast, etc. And I have a uh, video game t-shirt line where I've got a bunch of video game inspired t-shirts. Nothing will get me sued. <laughs> but I would love it if you would visit nerdstyles.com and if you like a shirt, maybe order one up for yourself and that can go that money can go into my Tesla fund. Also, I've mentioned it earlier on the show, but be sure to check out and subscribe. More important, subscribe to Dave T's weekly Tesla newsletter. It is super handy. It's totally free. Go to teslaweekly.com for that. And again, uh, I've sort of solved the listening to the podcast in your Tesla problem. I still need to, it's been a, oh, such a busy week. I need to reach out to Tesla still, but you can listen to it in your car. You've got to f- follow the show on the TuneIn website first, and then it should show up in your favorites in the car. And I, again, figured out the problem for those, those of you that let me know. It was giving you an error message saying it needed a Wi-Fi connection. Anyway, that should be fixed. So if you just go to the TuneIn website and look up Tesla Podcast or Ride the Lightning, follow it on there, then you should be able to access it in your Tesla. Finally, I'd like to thank all of you who've taken the time to leave a review on iTunes. Uh, I've got a five-star average right now, which is super cool, and it really, really means a lot. Thank you all so much. And I will see you this time next week. Happy motoring.